covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for uh, being tuned in as we come your way with another week's worth of Brewers talk coming up on the weekend that normally would have been the Brewers on Deck weekend. That always occurs the weekend between the uh, conference championship weekend in the NFL and the Super Bowl. So that would have been coming up this weekend, but uh, that would event was canceled long ago. And we always kind of look at that as being the unofficial start to really the baseball season or the baseball period where we can really start looking. It's not long after Brewers on Deck that players uh, head down to uh, Arizona. So uh, disappointing that that event's not going to be taking place this year, but if nothing else, as we do come up on when that would normally be, it just continues to show you how close we are to baseball really getting underway. A uh, few things to get to here at the top, our normal housekeeping items. If you uh, want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter, at MattPauleyOnAir, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and can leave a ranking and review and subscribe, that would be awesome, and I would very much appreciate it. Our featured conversation this week is with Reviewing the Brew Editor-in-Chief David Gasper. I recently went on uh, their Cold Brew podcast, and now uh, he's going to come on uh, this podcast, so he's going to be coming up in just a few moments. Tough week. Tough week for Wisconsin sports, both from an on-field perspective and an off-field perspective, on-field perspective, uh, many Brewers fans are Packers fans, and the Packers end up having their season come to an end on uh, Sunday in the NFC Championship. And then just during the week, um, really tough week with former Packers general manager Ted Thompson passing away, uh, longtime Wisconsin sports writer Bud Lee passing away, and also Hank Aaron passing away this past week. And... I was trying. I was kind of trying to process my thoughts on all this, and let me tell you, like, there's so many people who cover the Brewers who are going to be able to speak on Hank Aaron so much better than me, so much better than me. Let me let me make that clear. And I can't tell you how much um, I, I enjoyed reading this past week things that came from folks like Adam McAlvey and, and Tom Hodricourt. I never met Hank Aaron. There were times where. We were in the ballpark at the same time, or he was up in, in the press box. He was going to pop on the TV, whatever it might be. It just We never met. Maybe I should have worked harder to go introduce myself at some point. That's kind of one of those things that you think about um, after someone passes away. Also, I think a couple things kind of stand out to me, and I hope I put my thoughts together well on this because I know a lot of people, most of the people listening to this podcast, Hank Aaron means a lot to you, and, and rightfully so. I did not grow up in Wisconsin. I've lived in Wisconsin for a while now. Uh, I love living here, and uh, but what I what I didn't understand until I'd been here a little while was the connection between Wisconsin sports fans and Aaron. To me, growing up, and I think it's this way nationally, especially in my age group. I'm in, I'm in my late 30s. I was born um, in the early 80s. For for me, Hank Aaron was an Atlanta Brave when I was growing up. And when I got here, it did not take very long for me to learn the the importance that he has in the city of Milwaukee. 
and uh, just every and the the connection between him and the city, and it's it's really cool. It makes me kind of wonder about you know individuals who played in different cities, who if you're not in that city, you kind of you you most closely associate them with a single city, and sometimes. That's not the whole story because there's other cities that have a have a very strong connection to them, and you know Aaron was clearly still very uh, involved in in Milwaukee and his time here was special and he continued uh, to come back and do things and um, it's just it's uh, yeah it's it's so sad that he he passed away. I'll, I thought it was notable that one of the final things that he ever did from a public standpoint was he got the COVID vaccine. And when he did it, he said that he was hopeful that uh, it would show people in the black community that uh, it's okay to do the vaccine. And uh, that, again, it was kind of a, a position of service. And just to think of when he played, spent just a little bit of time in the Negro Leagues, came into Major League Baseball. And look, we still have major racial issues in this country. Don't get me wrong. Uh, came into Major League Baseball's, they, they certainly existed then, and just the, the things that he had to put up with. Yet, he was somebody that you, you don't hear anybody say anything bad about him. And it seemed like anything he touched, anything that he was involved in, he was trying to make it better. And again, I didn't meet him, but I, I, it was really fun for me just reading different stories of people of when they did meet him. Um, really cool because he made, when, when people meet him, just based off the things I read, and you read the same thing, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but his ability to make people like feel special and feel valued uh, when he met people, that was, uh, that was something pretty cool. And I also, I enjoyed... I enjoyed hearing from other Major League Baseball players, past and present, who spoke about meeting him because you don't get, if you're a Major League Baseball player, you're not going to get awestruck by other Major League Baseball players or former players very often. And one of the things that struck me just as I was reading uh, this past week was all the things that were said uh, from from other Major Leaguers, former Major Leaguers, current about you know, the the nervousness and the excitement of being able to meet him. So really sad, really sad that he passed away this past week. I think from a, from a journalistic standpoint, uh, whether it was all the content at, at, at MLB.com, the stuff done locally through uh, the Journal Sentinel, every national outlet uh, was, re- was really cool. I, I, I don't know, I just, it was, um, I was able to read a lot of stuff and it helped me appreciate him that much more. And sometimes you don't. I think I, I appreciated him, but sometimes you you just you, you get the opportunity to learn some things that you didn't even know about somebody until unfortunately they pass away. We need to do a better job, probably, of of appreciating people for everything before so. But I think I do think uh, Hank Aaron was very much an appreciated and beloved person uh, throughout his entire life, and he absolutely did live a very, very full life. So just a tough weekend, uh, tough tough week, I should say, in sports, and I hope I make some semblance of sense as I, as I go through that because uh, this was one of your baseball fan, if you work in baseball, whatever it might be, I think everybody was hit pretty hard with this news uh, this past week. This past year has been a really tough year for, for everybody in our country. And, and in sports, out of sports, we've lost a lot of people. And 
Yeah, I don't think a lot of us expected for uh, for Mr. Aaron to uh, to pass away at, at this point, and it's going to be sad that we're going to not not ever see him around anymore. And yeah, I'm just kind of rambling on at this point. So with that, let's let's shift gears, and uh, we'll get to this week's uh, featured conversation. The editor in chief of Reviewing the Brew, David Gasper. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. I had the opportunity uh, recently to be uh, part of the uh, Cold Brew podcast, which is uh, put together uh, each week by uh, the great staff over at uh, Reviewing the Brew. That includes... David Gasper, who is now uh, returning, I guess, the podcast favor, and he, he is here on uh, Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, uh, making his uh, debut appearance, doing it in sadness. We're recording this maybe an hour and a half, two hours after the season <laughs> came to an end for uh, the Green Bay Packers. So with all that, David, appreciate you taking some time uh, outside of the Packers season being over. How are you doing? Uh, outside of that, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, it's going to be... Uh kind of a, a tough one to take watching that game but you know spring training is just a few weeks away now so now we've got a uh, brewers baseball to look forward to yeah i don't mean to be disrespectful to to the milwaukee bucks or any college basketball that's going on out there but it does seem like uh once the packer season comes to an end there is a large percentage of the fan base that kind of starts really at that point looking forward to a baseball season yeah and you know ideally would there be a little bit less of a, uh, a turnaround, you know, a couple weeks later? And then, you know, if they made it to the Super Bowl, then it only would have been a week or two until spring training. But, yeah, the focus is kind of starting to turn there. And, you know, now that the focus is kind of going there, there's still plenty of offseason moves for the for the Brewers to make. So it's not like fans really missed out on much focusing on football season. No, not much has happened. This is also in a normal year, and we can all still continue to lament the fact that it's not a normal year. In a normal year, this upcoming weekend, that weekend between the NFL Conference Championships and the Super Bowl is generally the Brewers on deck weekend. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the unofficial start because really what happens with a bunch of players is they fly into Milwaukee, they take part in that weekend, and then they make their way to Arizona shortly after that for the beginning of spring training. So as we kind of do the we, – we refer to that Brewers on Deck weekend as kind of the unofficial start of baseball season. Whether it's happening or not, it would be next weekend. So we are we are really close to things getting underway. Yeah, and it really kind of uh, can't come soon enough. And I really wish, you know, that they would have been able to have it this year. You know, I remember going last year and really that was kind of the last time – we were able to have thousands of Brewers fans just kind of packed together because, you know, we weren't able to have fans at the games this past season, but on deck was a huge hit. Thousands of people there. And, you know, it's unfortunate it's not able to happen this year, but it's it's something that I think everyone really kind of looks forward to and circles on their calendar. Yeah. You know, I, I remember my first one. So I've been, I've been doing this with uh, WTMJ, I guess six years now, five years now, the years kind of run together. And I remember my first one and I was amazed by 
the turnout and over my years they actually had to expand it it was when i first started it was a it was a one level deal and then they eventually added a second level just to create more space because uh there were so many people and i can't tell you there are other teams who do these type of events um especially when it comes to midwestern clubs but i remember oh who was i talking to gosh darn it infielder he's from scranton i remember that because i always thought of the office stuff i I, and i i um Spangenberg, Corey Spangenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking to him uh, when we were doing it, and he basically said he's never seen anything like that before. I think he'd maybe played for the Padres, if I remember correctly. He had never experienced an event like that where there were so many fans, and I always think it's so cool. They do the area where they've got like ping pong and air hockey, and kids get to go play those games against Brewers players. It really is kind of a, a missed deal uh, that's going that's not taking place this year. So you you lament the fact that it's not happening. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for a lot of fans, you know, it's their chance to, you know, meet their favorite players and, you know, get autographs and, and whatever else. I remember the, the autograph line for Christian Yelich was absolutely insane. Every, everyone's as soon as the gates open, people rushed in line for the for the Christian Yelich autograph line. And, you know, so many guys that you could really just kind of go up to and, and see walking by just kind of, you know, bumping into them. And it's just a really special experience and something that uh, should be back next year at least and and something that uh, really gets fans, you know, even a closer relationship with the players. Because you think the Brewers fan base, you know, there's a pretty strong connection, pretty strong bond, it, it feels like, with the players and the players have a strong connection with the fans. And, you know, that that's really kind of one of those places where it really uh, shows up. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting point by you, and I think you're spot on because more than almost anywhere else I've been, and, and I think it really impacted things. When I was on your podcast the other day, I think we talked about maybe the the level of interest being a little bit down this past year, and I do feel like the fact that it's such an immersive experience for Brewers fans when they go to games, and the fact that they weren't ever able to be in in the same room, the same stadium, the same building as these players um, is something that just, I think it impacted them. I, I think specifically about like somebody like Daniel Vogelbach, who Brewers fans have never been able to see him play as a Brewer. Now, he was somebody because of, I think, his, uh, his physical look and just the way he plays the game, he became a fan favorite. But just think about the the, the cheers that he would be getting. He had a, a game where he hit you know the multiple home runs there at the end of the game. And I was just thinking how much how much different it was because I do think for Brewers fans there is this it's it's a relational experience with the players, even if they've never met the players. And maybe that sounds kind of weird. How can you have a relationship if you haven't met them? But it it works with Brewers fans for sure. Yeah, Vogelbach kind of has like cult hero vibes, you know, the way that, you know, he was coming in and he was hitting well after really kind of not doing much at all earlier in the season uh, with the Blue Jays and with the Mariners. And then he just kind of comes in, just starts raking. And yeah, the fans really just kind of took to him. He's got that Chris Farley vibe kind of going. He just kind of bears that passing resemblance. And yeah, he's just kind of someone the fans could really just get behind and you know, they, they weren't really able to get that strong connection. And I don't know how much Vogelbach was able to to feel that kind of connection. I'm not sure how much he checks his Twitter, but, you know, he, he's got a lot of fans out there. And, 
you know, a lot of these, you know, new players like guys like Josh Lindblom as well, you know, first year in, you know, that they, they haven't really gotten a chance to experience that connection. The guys like Yelich and Braun and the guys who have been in Milwaukee a while, you know, that they've been able to tell them it's like, oh yeah, we got great fans, our, our fans are awesome. But those players really haven't gotten much of a chance to experience it, the the new ones. So it's something that um, they should get excited to see in 2021 here, even though it's probably not going to be 100% capacity to start out. There's going to be at least some fans uh, at these stadiums, it looks like. So they'll be able to get at least uh, an inkling of what kind of support Brewers fans give. Wanted to lead off with this with you, and we kind of got going down a different path, so I'm going to kind of pause and, and rewind here. This was a really, really tough week for Wisconsin sports. A number of individuals passed away. Former Packers uh, general manager Ted Thompson died this past week. Uh, Longtime uh, sports writer Bud Lee passed away. And then uh, also Hank Aaron passed away. And it's amazing. So I've I've lived in was I didn't grow up in Wisconsin. Uh, I, I've lived in Wisconsin. I love my time here. I'm, I'm glad I'm here. I didn't grow up here, and not growing up here, when when you know of Hank Aaron, you you most closely associate him with the city of Atlanta. And then I got here, and I very quickly realized that he's Milwaukee's. Like Milwaukee loves Hank Aaron and, and really claims him as, as as one of their own. And, and I feel like it was a it was a two way street on that. It was really a sad day this past week as when he passed away, and it, it just struck me as I read everything that was written about him. I was I was driving today and I saw some of those electric uh, score or electric uh, billboards had put up some some Hank Aaron stuff just memorial, memorializing him on the billboard. Um, it, it he he meant so much. To, to the Milwaukee and the Wisconsin community. You are somebody who grew up in Wisconsin. What did Hank Aaron mean to you? I mean, Hank Aaron, he was really just kind of the, the first, like, baseball star uh, in in the Milwaukee area. I mean, he was someone, yeah, came through with, with the Braves. And, you know, he won Milwaukee. It's, it's only World Series back in 1957, um, back, back with, when it was the Milwaukee Braves. And... You know, he's someone that it, it, it feels just kind of special knowing that the guy who was and in my opinion still is the home run king uh, that, that he spent so much of his time, so much of his career in Milwaukee and, and getting most of those numbers in Milwaukee with the Braves and then towards the end of the end of his career uh, with the Brewers, you know, going up to to Miller Park and and walking into games and walking past that, that little marker in the parking lot. This is where Hank Aaron hit his 755th and final career home run. You know, it's just something special that I think a lot of people didn't or maybe didn't fully appreciate until now. And, I mean, you had the statue out in front of, of Miller Park and, you know, people going to visit it after hearing of his death. And I, I know a couple of guys that, uh, went down there themselves to lay some flowers or pay their respects. And he's just, you know, a special guy and someone that really kind of, I, I think, piqued the interest of a lot of people in baseball in the Milwaukee area at the time. He was really, like I said, he was the original Milwaukee baseball star. And he was someone that, um, you know, piqued the interest of, of my dad in, in baseball. And, and he piqued that interest in me. And, you know, it, it's someone that, you know, had 
just such a profound influence on on the early stages in in of baseball in Milwaukee that is just kind of leading to really such a big uh, support base for for the Milwaukee Brewers now and, and the big support for baseball in this area. The thing that strikes me is you couldn't find anybody to say a bad word about the man, not the not the baseball player, but mm-hmm. the man, and. If there was anybody who experienced some of the worst of the worst, it was him. He began, he, he, he played some time in the Negro Leagues before uh, he came to Major League Baseball. And he dealt with you know, racism, and, and, and he was somebody who really helped baseball uh, in, in that regard continue. I mean, we're still at a place in our country where, where race plays such an issue. And I don't know, maybe I, I don't want to misspeak and I don't want to use the incorrect words here, but it just seemed like he was a beacon of positivity and everything he did helped things to move in a positive direction no matter what he touched. And I don't think there's many people in this world that we can say that about. Yeah, I and mean, he was truly an, an iconic person and, and player. I mean, he was someone that he dealt with, you know, so much throughout his career, you know, as he was chasing 715 and, you know, all the the hate that, that he had to deal with. Um, you know, it, it's really just kind of awful to see. And, you know, he really kind of, you know, blazed his own trail. I mean, Jackie Robinson really kind of opened the door and really kind of opened the path for, for Hank Aaron and, and so many others. But, I mean, Hank Aaron, he, he also went his own path and blaze his own trail for so many other um young young african-american players in in the country so it, it really opened a lot of doors for a lot of people he did a lot of great things he handled you know everything with with class and, and dignity and you know just really kind of one of the you know it, it when you're that good of a player it's hard to be an even better person than, than you are a player at that point but he's one of the few that you know, really was a, a better person than he was a player, and he was a great player in his own right. So it, it just kind of speaks volumes about, you know, what he, what, what kind of person he was and what he meant to, to so many people. One of his final public actions was he got the COVID vaccine, and after he got the vaccine, he said that he was very hopeful that him getting it would lessen the concerns from maybe the black community about receiving uh, the shot. And like that just shows the service that, that he had for everybody. I mean, that, that, that's maybe the last public thing that he ended up doing. And again, I mean, obviously, you want the vaccine for, for personal reasons, but the fact that he gets that and he says he's trying to you know, encourage a, uh, a subset of our, of our country who's maybe not comfortable with it to get it, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just really kind of... You know, epitomizes that you know he was you know doing so many things just to try to help uh, so many other people in our community. No good way to like transition back into baseball, so we just uh, kind of will will jump back in, and we've seen the hot stove across Major League Baseball warm up a little bit. There were certainly some moves that were made this past week across Major League Baseball. Does that give you hope that maybe we might see something from the Brewers uh, here in the relatively near future? Yeah, it gives me a little bit of hope. I mean, the, the Brewers still have some moves that they have to make. They got no one at first base right now. They don't really have much of anything at third base. I, I don't think Daniel Robertson is the whole of their plan at that position. So the, they still got some additions they got to make. 
really just those markets haven't really been picked over. It's been, you know, other parts of the market that's been moving. The Jamison Tyone trade in the pitcher market. Brad Hand just signed. Uh, so, so there's been a lot of moves elsewhere, but not really much at the Brewers' positions of need. And I think because of the Brewers' unique positions of need at the corner infield spots, you know, they're both really kind of held up by the lack of clarity on the DH right now yeah. uh, because they're, they're still – they haven't announced that it's going to be back, but they're still discussing. So there's a chance that the DH is going to be in the National League. But we're here towards the end of January now. There still isn't any clarity. And a lot of those corner infielders are also DH-type guys. And if they don't have clarity on that issue, it's going to be hard for those players to want to sign because there could be 15 more teams that would be interested in them. And those teams are, are going to have a hard time giving more money to those players if they don't know if there's going to be a DH for them. So I, I think that they might wait until there's clarity on that issue. I'm not sure how long it's going to take until we get clarity, but I, th- I think that could be what's holding up the Brewers right now in terms of those two pursuits. It's such a weird deal. and We talked about it in your podcast. I think I mentioned it on pretty much every podcast that I do. We don't know the rules of the game yet, and there's a lot of speculation out there that maybe the clarity on the DH will come along with the negotiations between the players and the owners about the possible expanded playoff. Owners want the expanded playoff. Uh, players have the right to, to collectively bargain the expanded playoff, and obviously they want more money. Uh, right now the plan is for the full 162 games, but we'll see what happens there. There is, uh, I don't know if I can ever remember, Yeah, a couple years ago they were still trying to decide whether or not they were going to put that three batter rule in uh, going getting pretty close to spring training when that was finally decided that they wouldn't do it that year but the next year but as far as so many things being up in the air DH versus no DH uh, we heard reports that the seven inning uh, double headers and that the runner on second and extra innings could very well be back this year expanded playoff all the things that were talked about last year and brought in last year in a 60-game season, they seem to all still be on the table for this season. And you and I, we're having this discussion on January 24th. It's a it's a month, basically, from the start of spring training, and this isn't figured out yet. It's 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 astounding. Yeah, it really is. I, I wrote, I think, two months ago, I think towards the end of November, I wrote an article reviewing The Brew, basically saying that MLB needs, or MLB needs to give us an answer on the designated hitter sooner rather than later and yet they have chosen later like it, it's been two months since then and you know we've gone through the the non-tender deadline the winter meetings and the arbitration filing deadline we've gone through all these you know big parts of the offseason with still no clarity on this and that's why guys like uh, marcelo zuna and cj crone and mitch moreland and you know all these you know big players who should be signed by now are still out there on the market and doesn't even seem like they're close to signing anywhere. And it's bad for players. It's bad for teams. It's bad for the game at large because there's been no off season movement and no one knows the rules of, of what's going to be happening next year. And MLB needs to figure this out and, and it's hurting the game. It's hurting everything uh, surrounding baseball and it's not looking good for, for anyone. There was a report this past week that the Brewers have shown some interest in Marcelo Zuna. Now, the report also said that he wants a four-year deal. 
uh, the six teams that have shown interest according to the Hector Gomez report. So this, I'm not trying to denigrate Gomez, but this isn't John Heyman. This isn't uh, Ken Rosenthal. This isn't Morosi. Like this isn't passing like the the guys that have a lot of trust built up in terms of their reporting. Uh, the, the six teams reportedly were the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Twins, and the Brewers. I I don't know if Ozuna is going to be getting a four-year deal, and maybe that's where the Brewers come in, that they'd be a team that might be willing to go one year on them. But that did surprise me a little bit because that's a, that's a high-price tag player, and we don't expect the Brewers to bring in a high-price tag guy like that. Yeah, I saw that and I was really kind of confused by it. I mean, I know David Stearns does leave no stone unturned when it comes to his uh, free agent pursuits. He looks at everyone. He calls on everyone, you know, just to kind of see where their market is at. And when I saw that, I I, th- I think my mind initially went to was that this was a leak from Ozuna's agent who tried to make his market look stronger than it actually was. And make it seem like, oh, if the Brewers are interested, you know, maybe that'll get the Cubs or the Cardinals to, you know, get involved in Ozuna's market, or that'll cause one of these other teams to to cough up more money in negotiations, because uh, it seems like a stronger market than what Ozuna maybe actually has. But I mean, just kind of the logistics of fitting Ozuna on the roster, you know, he would probably cost at least fifteen million dollars a season, if not more, uh, if you were to sign a contract, whether it be one year or four, and you know, he's a corner outfielder. The Brewers already have two highly paid ones and Christian Yelich and Avisail Garcia. And he's possibly been looking at a move to a full-time DH uh, type player in which the Brewers currently have Daniel Vogelbach, who's getting paid just over $1 million this season. So, I mean, he would be an upgrade over Vogelbach to be sure. But if the Brewers are going to add Ozuna, they would probably need to subtract Avisail Garcia and trade him somehow. And I really don't see that as a fully likely possibility. I, I think trying to sign Ozuna or signing Ozuna would create more problems than it actually solves at the moment. Yeah, it, you're, you're right. Like, yes, is he maybe an upgrade as you spoke to? Sure. Okay. But that's not where they need the upgrade. They need the upgrade at first base and third base. I think that's what caught me off guard because I still think there's a chance the Brewers spend a little bit more money than we expect them to spend if a great opportunity comes available at some point. But if they're going to spend that money, I would think they would spend it at a corner infield spot, not on an outfielder who may or may not DH depending on if the DH is even available. Yeah, it really doesn't seem to make, you know, too much sense. But, you know, then again, the Brewers getting, you know, Mike Moustakis back in uh, back at the trade deadline in 2018 when they already had a third baseman in Travis Shaw, that didn't appear to make much sense at the time either. So unless the Brewers all of a sudden feel that Marcelo Zuna can handle first base, which I haven't heard anything that he would be willing to play first base or has the capability to play first base, um, that that would really kind of be the only way that he could fit uh, logistically on the roster. But then then again, with the payroll, they'd need to cut some elsewhere, most likely, in order to fit him. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's something something to be sure. I mentioned it before, and I'll get out of here on this. Um, 
the the idea and Bob Nightingale reported this past week that teams are comfortable and, and player the player side seems to be okay with once again doing seven inning doubleheaders and once again uh, doing the runner on its second to to start extra innings uh, not being a permanent thing but once again being a thing for this year with the expectation that uh, COVID is still going to be impacting us once we get to opening day our it's a slippery slope because when it's a 60-game season and you do that, it has the feeling of just being part of a weird year. If you install that for a 162-game season, and let's say we get to July and we get to August, and as a country we're like 70% vaccinated and, and COVID cases are way, way, way down, and all of a sudden we're getting back to close to capacity at these games, well, then at that point it's a it's a deal where you've got these weird rules during what seems like a normal baseball season and maybe that's the slippery slope where all of a sudden they're part of it for, for you know a full-time rule going forward um, I, I understand from a safety standpoint why you do it but where do you stand on these rules potentially coming back for a second year yeah some of those rules I'm really not a huge fan of you know the seven inning double headers it, it just it didn't feel like a full real game um, when those happened, and it just kind of felt odd and different. And I'm not really a, a huge fan of keeping that going forward. And starting w- with a, a runner on second base, you know, it wasn't quite as bad as I initially imagined. I still don't entirely like it. I, I don't like the idea of you know starting someone out there on second base who didn't really earn their way on, um, and you know. More baseball, I think, for the fan is, is never really a bad thing. I know it's rough for, for the players playing however many innings it might take, but you know, still, it, some of these rule changes I, I really don't think are in the best interest of the game going forward. And I, I think with Theo Epstein maybe coming in now as an advisor to the commissioner's office, uh, that might help some things in, in changing the way baseball needs to in order to grow the game and in order to to get more fans get more interest in the game i think some of the rules put in place don't necessarily help with that and they need to look in a different direction uh, in order to actually help get more eyes on the game of baseball yeah i'm excited about what theo might do and again to to me and i think theo would agree with what i'm about to say or maybe i'm agreeing with something that theo previously said doesn't really matter what the equation is there the idea is to get more action into the sport and let guys shine let these let these amazing athletes show off what they can do and right now where there's so many strikeouts and things like that it's just uh you don't always get the action that you would like. And it's a tough thing. Like, I don't think there's any easy answers to create more action in the game. Uh, but what whatever needs to be done to, to get that, I am in favor of it. Yeah, and it's something that they're going to have to look at co- closely because what you don't want is a whole bunch of unintended consequences of the rule changes coming in and ruining the, the other good parts of the game. Because you know some of these rules, whether it's like uh, banning the shift or um, – making the strike zone bigger or making the strike zone smaller. It can lead to so many other uh, issues beyond what just MLB was trying to intend. You, you could try to solve one problem and you end up creating two more. And that's a place that I think MLB has really struggled in the last several years under Rob Manfred's leadership. Um, and that's something that, you know, hopefully Theo will be able to help address and, and hopefully uh, baseball can really kind of figure out going forward because it just kind of seems you know, a, a little haphazard how they've been going about this for the past several years. 
All right, uh, before we get out of here, uh, tell me what's going on at, at Reviewing the Brew. Also, uh, you and Matt Carroll do a great job with the uh, with the Cold Brew podcast that people can uh, uh, listen into. But a lot going on right now at uh, Reviewing the Brew as you continue to get set for uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, we'll continue to um, you know look at you know free agent possibilities and, and rumors and you know all things coming up, helping you know get ready for for spring training, looking at you know some some roster battles and whatever. But you know with the Cold Brew Podcast coming up this next week, we're actually going to have Josh Lindblom uh, on the podcast. He's going to come on and join us for for a chat. So that's going to be a lot of fun uh, being able to talk to him uh, before he goes down for spring training. So, yeah, you can follow the, the Cold Brew Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, you know, a whole bunch of whole bunch of places. Anchor, uh, you can tune in. You can follow us on Twitter at Cold Brew underscore pod and uh, follow Reviewing the Brew on Twitter at Reviewing the Brew. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun, and we're finally turning towards, uh, turning the corner towards the 2021 season. So it'll be good. And you are at uh, dgasper24 on Twitter. You are the editor-in-chief of uh, Reviewing the Brew. David, thanks so much for coming on. This was fun, and I hope to uh, have you back on again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. It was a ton of fun. David Gasper joining us. Appreciate him taking a uh, few moments here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And that is just about going to do it for this week's edition. Thank you so much for being tuned in. Hopefully, like we say this every week, hopefully some more things happen during the course of uh, this week, whether it's from a uh, Brewers perspective or whether it's just from a Major League Baseball perspective and getting some more information about what things are going to look like this upcoming season. So thanks to David Gasper for uh, joining me. Thanks to you for listening. And we look forward to talking to you again real soon for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.